greetings programs and welcome to the latest edition of the awesome friday movie podcast uh my name is matthew and i'm with you with we're here with simon as per usual who is laughing at me because of the way i say uh the awesome friday movie podcast and also because i say greetings programs and also because my enunciation is awful this evening apparently how are you sam um uh, i i'm just happy to be in the room i'm just happy to be here (laughs) Um, but yeah, we're in, in separate rooms. We're in separate rooms. <laughs> I'm in I'm in my new uh, office stroke media room, um, so I'm happy to be here. But upstairs from me is uh, our lounge where water is coming through the ceiling into a bucket. So anyway, I don't I don't advise home ownership at any point in your life. But um, <laughs> down here it's dry. That's the important thing. So uh, I'm okay. Uh, I'm good for those of you those of you in our audience from North America stroke means slash (laughs) and slash (laughs) means urinate so just it's a whole British English man it's a whole thing what did I say oh who knows um it's interesting actually because the British consider themselves to be the um the people that really designed this beautiful language and uh, (laughs) designed that's adorable Um, and more importantly, owned, and more importantly, tell other people how to do properly. Um, so when I moved to Canada, the uh, the surprise was is that nobody speaks like me, and more importantly, nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, um, my job now is to uh, d- design English test content, and you wouldn't believe some of the grammar rules in British English that are hard and fast grammar rules that are very specific rules and Canadian English are like, no, let's just do it whenever. You can't just do it whenever. Anyway, what I'm saying is you can't trust the colonies as far as you can throw them. Um, just like the amount of tea that got thrown into some ocean at some point. The, the, I know language evolves and language changes, but it, it, uh, Every day I find something different and I, I kind of feel sorry in the long term for the people that have to learn this language. Like, I mean, it is learn... supposed, supposedly it's the most difficult language in the world to learn. Yeah. The, the people that go to England and then go to work in America have a huge disadvantage and vice versa as well. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a real thing. And so when you're in my position where I spent I spent many many years of my life teaching a British English test, and now I'm designing for a Canadian English test. Uh, and sometimes um, I've decided to let some things go because, God damn it, Canadian English is really fucking messed up in certain very specific places. There's the weirdest things that you would never predict. I know. I would honestly love to see. A Canadian English test, because I'm sure, as you can probably tell, there's a comedy bit incoming where the test is like, how do you say it rains in Canadian? And the answer is, oh, it's coming down real hard, bud. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, we're going to go collect some Harvey's trays to use as an umbrella. It's uh, (laughs) Wow, have you seen my test content? That's exactly (laughs) So, yeah, but the bonus is I get to work from home. So that's fine. I don't yeah. care. I don't care what else I have to do. It turns out I've had this dis- discussion with um, uh, a friend of mine recently about working from home. She's like, yeah, it was good at the beginning, but I found that it became like a, a pretty lonely experience. And I, I tried to get out for a run in the evenings, but she's got kids as well. And the kids will come home and they want to stay in. And I'm like, lady... <laughs> Let me tell you, uh, all of the, all of these reasons have not happened to me. Like I could not be happier working from home, being inside all day. Uh, I don't have this urge to go out. I'm not Canadian apart from my passport, so I don't have this urge to go out and do things in the rain, which I've noticed is a very Canadian thing. But I mean, it's um, not so much an urge as it is a resignation to that's just the way it is. <laughs> but I mean, guys, a resignation. A resignation. I would figure that people from Britain might share. <laughs> You guys, no, no, here's the thing though. When it rains in Britain, we're like, well, we're staying in for the next two weeks, put the fire on, and let's have a nice cup of tea. And Canadian is like, oh, let's go for a hike. A hike. 
a hike. And it turns out a hike is a really tiring walk somewhere. And um, uh, yes, we'll stroll yes in England. In England, we'll stroll, but we don't, we don't hike. And we certainly don't walk in the rain. That's not true. In some in some areas of England, you you know you walk the moors in the rain and the fog. <laughs> I would, but it's very leisurely. Like I I know now that when my Canadian friends invite me to go on hikes, I know the answer is no. The answer is no. That's because well, when when people in Britain say, "I say, chap, let's go on a hike up the mountain," and it's like a ten foot rise. <laughs> <laughs> there is that wonderful movie. Have you seen? There's a uh, a Hugh. Um, oh, what's his name? Cloud Atlas, Hugh uh, Grant, Hugh Grant movie. That's called something like The Man Who Walked Up a Hill and Came Down a Mountain. And it's when he goes to a valley in Wales with Catherine, Catherine Zeta Jones. And they're petitioning to have their hill classified as a mountain. Or they've always, always called it a mountain, and the local council have said it's not high enough. And so he, if I'm remembering this right, he's from like this council who has to designate this treasured welsh mountain and basically tell them it's a hill and so and um hilarity ensues it's a very british movie that sounds very um, british i wish but, i had seen yes. it <laughs> yeah we we have mountains in england like mount snowden mount snowden is our tallest mountain turns out compared to other tall places in the world not that tall but how tall is mount snowden well now i need to know yeah. Let's find out. Mount, Mount Snowden Height. Mount Snowden Height is 1,085 meters high. Huh. Uh... Oh, Ben Nevis is higher. Sorry, Ben Nevis is much is 1,300. Um, but if we... What's Grouse? Well, I've walked up the Grouse Grind. That felt <laughs> a little bit higher. Okay. okay. Grouse is higher. Uh... I've walked up that fucker. Let's just see here. Mount Maxwell Provincial Park is the park where <laughs> I grew up. Uh, oh no, this is oh god! I don't want to hear about how you hiked up this ten thousand meter mountain every morning. Hiked up it. We lived at the top of it. <laughs> oh no, it's only five hundred and eighty meters. But uh, considering but... the island only holds ten thousand people, <laughs> that's barely yeah. half a Snowden. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. We we we're not really into hiking in uh, in any kind of weather that is either too hot or too cold or too wet or too dry. <laughs> so, so in weather um, is what you're saying. Weather, yes. <laughs> well, well, there's a reason why when you go, if you ever go and visit my parents' home in England, I think you'd be happy because you will lose track of the cups of tea that you drink in a day. Like take take. Like logistically, take how many think think how many cups of tea you could drink in one day, and then like double it, because it is a constant stream of let's sit inside and watch blankety blank and put the fire on and have a nice cup of tea. Would you like a biscuit? I know we've just had dinner, but here's some biscuits. It sounds pretty great, doesn't it? <laughs> it sounds amazing. I don't know what you're talking. About. It sounds like you're complaining, but that sounds like my yeah, ideal I know, I know. situation. I, I think I'm just looping back to uh, I feel very very lazy amongst many of my Canadian friends. So um, I I work from home and I love doing that. I love the quietness and I love the solitude. But that's just the kind of person that I am. Yeah, well, uh, that all sounds very nice for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very sorry. You you have the opposite job. Uh, I do. Unfortunately, and I'm I work sure in the service I... of customers, and it is. A job. It's a job. I, I'm not going to say anything I, more. I neither have the mental capacity to do that job, and also um, I would spend a lot of money on bail getting out of jail uh, for the things that I would do. So all power to you, brother, for doing that. Yes, well, now that we've suitably bantered, uh, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are we talking shall... about this week? We should talk about the two things we're going to talk about here on the right. Awesome Friday Movie Podcast, where we're going to speak about one movie and one television show. Uh, well, um, TV shows are basically movies these days, aren't they? Especially the one we're talking about. Yeah, it's true. So we're going to talk about a movie called The Humans, which is out on demand now, actually. It uh, has come out in between us seeing it and this podcast being recorded. Uh, it's available on demand and in, I believe, select theaters still. Uh, and then we're going to talk about the new Disney Plus Marvel project, Hawkeye, because 
Y'all love Marvel, so we're going to keep talking about it. <laughs> uh, but we're going to start with the humans. Uh, and I, I'm going to invite Simon to take us through a brief setup of the humans, which is an adaptation of a Broadway play, which was uh, critically acclaimed and won at least a couple of Tonys. Uh, I think for best actress and set design. And I want to say it was up for best play as well, at least. I'm not really 100% sure anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, the Humans is basically the the most horrifying of situations, and that is a family dinner. And if you've just been through Thanksgiving, I'm sure you recognize that situation. And this is... Um, uh, Beanie Feldstein plays Bridget, and she's just bought this new New York apartment with. Um, or is she renting? I, I uh, no, they've just. Renting. I think they've just purchased it, and she with her boyfriend Richard, who's played by right. Stephen Yuen. Uh, and Yuen just 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 for the record, just for the record, it won Tony Award for Best Play in 2016, and was okay. a finalist for the 2016 Pulitzer Prize for Drama. Oh, and with good reason. It's. Um, I I always enjoy kind of watching these family family dramas where things go wrong. Like there's this is a whole genre in itself. Like family get together, and you know that something there's going to be a moment where things start to slide. And I think the success of this genre is how how it handles the slide, because um, many of when I was a drama teacher, many 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 of my students did this kind of genre and the mistake they always made was to go too far too fast just like sex and (laughs) and uh, that's not as funny as as we're laughing we're we're laughing too much we're both very tired so and also just like sex it's really all about the moment where it all starts to go wrong Um, and the, the, what the humans does very, very well is you'll recognize the situation. You'll recognize like the, the, uh, diff- very different characters as, uh, Beanie's family. So Bridget's family, her mom and her dad and her aging grandma and her sister come over for Thanksgiving and they're in this brand new New York apartment. There's very little furniture, there's paper plates and, um, the, 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 the lighting keeps flickering out and the plumbing is loud and all these things. Yeah, it's and, worth clarifying that what by brand new, Simon means brand new to them. Oh, sorry, yes, yeah. This is very <laughs> much not brand new. Uh, I dilap- how, dilapidated is a word that I would use. You've been to New York and I haven't. Like, I'd be very interested to know if this is an accurate representation of a New York apartment. I definitely it's, haven't been in enough of them to, to tell you for sure. Uh, yeah. The ones I've been in are, have all been nicer, <laughs> smaller but nicer. Yeah, yeah. So, and basically, the, that's the plot. The family comes over for dinner, and the 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 slide is actually handled really, really well. It, there isn't one moment where everyone's friends and then something goes wrong. There's little things. There's little things that pay off towards the end, like the seeds of the slide are planted pretty early, but very discreetly. And they kind of grow very slowly. And what I really liked, actually, go and read Matt's review, because you you hit the nail on the head with this. Because when I finished watching The the Humans, I was like, why was that so effective? And why was I watching through my hands at one point? Like, what was... This is not a scary movie, but why was it scary? And the very clever thing about The Humans is that... As the slide happens, this the, the filmmaker very intelligently employs some horror movie tropes that we recognize. He is he takes this like the edge of building tension in horror movies and adds it to this family drama, and it's incredibly effective. It's really, really um, powerful to the point where at the end of this movie, you are you are wondering if there's going to be like a Shemalian twist coming. Uh, I mean, I don't think it spoils anything to say that this isn't that kind of movie. It's actually way more intelligent than that. And what you're left with is it, it's, it's very clearly a stage play. 
I mean, we both love watching movies that are plays. And it oh, is, yeah. That's, yeah. It, <laughs> that's like one of my favorite kinds of movies are movies that feel like plays. Yeah. So when it's an adap- yeah. directly an adaptation, and it's adapted by the adapted and directed by the guy who wrote and directed it for the stage too like so it's very close to the material yeah but it's got a a very kind of 12 angry men kind of feel that you are stuck in this place with these people and it's just pure interaction there's nothing else but them speaking to each other and luckily the, the script is amazing the direction is fantastic the design is great and but the cast are really surprisingly great and i have to say like we know that Beanie Feldstein is fantastic and Stephen Yarn and and um, I said to Matt that when I didn't know Richard Jenkins is in this and I realized as soon as I saw him, I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. Like mm-hmm. it's it's complete guaranteed quality. And um, the the biggest surprise for me though was Amy Schumer. Like I only know Amy Schumer as this brash uh, stand up comic really and she plays Beanie's sister and she is so subtle and under not underplayed but understated to the mm-hmm. point where I actually had to check that that was actually her in the cast list I mean what, what do you think Matt? I mean I agree with basically everything you're saying I mean Richard Jenkins is one of our great character actors and he's basically always great um, even when he's in bad movies, he's always the best part of that bad movie. So he's mm-hmm. incredible. Beanie Feldstein, um, I think, is has a really interesting presence. And um, uh, also, total side note, but once you learn that she and Jonah Hill are siblings, you can never unsee yeah. it. Just for, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, I wish I hadn't uh, learned that. Yeah. Um, I also think that Stephen Yuen is putting in, uh, um, or Yuen, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I'm sorry. But um, he uh, he also has a really interesting presence, and he's on a pretty much a, a long streak of making really good choices in terms of roles. Um, I also think that Jane Houdichel, who plays mm. Bridget and Amy's mother, mm. uh, is excellent. She's also apparently the only person to reprise the role from the stage play, for which she won a Tony. <laughs> wow. um, and she is excellent. Uh, and even June Squibb, who's really only in the background for most of the movie as Momo, mm-hmm. the grandmother who has Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. you know, like she has like maybe a combined total of five minutes of screen time, but she's excellent in all five of those minutes. Yeah. And I think what the film does really well, what the story does really well, you were talking about how like the the seeds of what's happening are sowed early and, and reaped at the end. But I think the sort of brilliance of it is that it's a common enough situation that at least I recognized very early on that those, like the slide was in progress before anyone showed up. Like mm-hmm. they're already, they're not estranged, but there's already tons of friction in all of their respective relationships. Mm-hmm. And that's all very apparent, recognizable and human from the millisecond that they walk, that the parents walk through the door. Yeah, It's clear that like um, Bridget and Amy have left whatever faith they grew up in, or at least they're not practicing anymore. And that's a cause of stress. It's a, it's clear that their lines of communication all around are not as open as they should be. And that that's a source of stress. And I think that all of those things, if you exist in a family, all of those things are pretty recognizable and it sets the stage in a way that lets it not have to necessarily set everything up as much as it might have to. And I think that's really smart. Yeah, and it's that kind of gross hypocrisy that that sort of fuels the last third of this movie, where the that that frustration that you're being told what to do by people who are not practicing what they preach, and and it's it's very recognizable, isn't it? And it's I didn't I didn't see my dad in the characters, but I certainly heard you know the generational divide in some comments and. Like when when your parents have one career for life from eighteen, they're going to see the world differently than if you leave university and you jump from job to job and you're doing something creative and and it's the um that the tone was quite uncomfortable sometimes definitely, but the um it was also believable like it's it's really tricky to make this kind of script believable because 
the kind well, of not action. just believable but relatable like i think yeah. that the situations we're describing are ones that even though even though like i would I wouldn't say that i've been through exactly the same thing but i like i have a family and we don't always get along like mm-hmm. it's you know it's uh we we haven't whether it's my immediate or my extended family there's always some level of frustration you know it's all very relatable stuff that's happening mm-hmm. so well, well, i also like as a, as a side note i also just really enjoyed that the apartment itself is like a character in the film yeah, i know that's a really definitely. cliche thing to say but it's really yeah. designed to be that way it's really it uh, i don't remember how i phrased it when i wrote my review but um the way I've been sort of thinking about it is that the the apartment kind of feels like a stomach that's slowly digesting them, complete with like fluids running down the walls and noises and creaks and you know foreboding negative space. Uh, it's uh, it's really really effective. Apparently, the stage play of the set is actually a two level, like a two story set that won a bunch of awards and gained a bunch of attention and i don't know if they were able to translate that exactly the way it was intended for the play but it's i found it to be quite effective the you way it was used the, in the film there's a moment at the end of the film where they cut from upstairs to downstairs immediately and i mm-hmm. as soon as i saw that i'm like oh that was the set because they use a very similar set when i saw um and spectacles at the national these are very very similar set and it's very very theatrical to have that split level set so as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. that's what they did. I understand, because I was thinking, how how did they capture this on stage? Like, to capture these pockets of space, and, you know, you talk about negative space, and it's very effective. And that would be a really solid way to do that, definitely. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, a, you... it's a pretty solid recommend so far from both of us. Yeah, it, yeah obviously, it's, it's a slow burn family drama, and it, it, there isn't any twisty payoff even though and this is something maybe i want to ask you were you kind of i don't want to say disappointed but there's lots of references to something's weird outside like lots of images and people through frosted glass and trying to get a signal to the world and so it kind of feels like they're playing up this idea that something is really wrong outside in the first third of the movie and that isn't really um that doesn't have a payoff and were you expecting there to be something more going on outside no no i wasn't um i fully read that as a thing that i recognize from you know my even just from myself doing in that it was people looking externally for problems for for problem the source of problems for which they should be looking internally. Oh, that's a very clever read. Damn it. Yeah. Um, everyone's you know trying to look out. Everyone, especially in the beginning, everyone's looking out the windows and trying to get cell phone signal entirely mm-hmm. because they're trying to distract themselves mm-hmm. from what's happening inside the apartment. You know, that's mm-hmm. the same reason that Eric, the dad, Richard Jenkins, keeps trying to check the football score. He's looking mm-hmm. for an out. He's looking for mm-hmm. something to relieve the tension and or you know so, something just to keep him away from what's actually wrong it's um it didn't go obviously as far as midsummer but there's there's one um weird tradition like thanksgiving tradition that is really uncomfortable and they the only person who doesn't know it, of course is steven you know, is richard the boyfriend and so for the rest of the family they're laughing like this is the most normal thing in the world but to to the viewers and to him it's like a weird thanksgiving ritual that is actually like creepy as hell really really creepy as hell and um the the power games that that are involved in how because you, you gotta hit something and and the, the strength of the hit suddenly became like the strength of the person there's lots of jeering and power playing there and there was lots of really uncomfortable moments that that did feel like uncomfortable family moments that we've all been in, definitely, especially in the new family. This is really yeah. well made, especially for a theatre guy. Like, for a theatre guy to direct this so well, to translate a piece of theatre to a movie, which is actually a really, really tricky thing to do, to capture the same kind of feel and to rethink the framing of everything, uh, but still keep its, like, theatricality. 
uh, really impressed with the direction of everything as well. And the camera work was fantastic. Yeah, I kind of worry. I don't know if you felt this as well, but one thing I did feel about the direction was that I feel like, how am I going to put this? So the play was staged on this two-story stage so people could be yelling at each other from like different floors because the apartment's a two-level apartment. And I feel like in an attempt to recreate some of that distance, um, a lot of scenes are shot from outside of the room they're taking place in. So sometimes people have their, their back to you and sometimes you really only see what's happening like through a doorway. You can really get the full scene. And I kind of wonder, and to be clear, like I, I did, lo- I did really like this movie, um, but I kind of wonder if for some people that might create too much distance. And I know that's a really esoteric criticism, <laughs> um, but I feel like that might be the case. Like, you know, the camera in in certain cases, the camera is so removed that it's maybe hard to relate to what's happening in the scene. I, I don't know. I what, what do you like think? The... Yeah, no, I know what you mean. It's, it's definitely a, a choice. Um, I like choices like that. It feels kind of heuristic and that you're, you're overhearing conversations from a different room. And sometimes those conversations overlap as well. So it's, um, it's done in primer as well. I love primer. I love the delivery of, of information in primer. And this, this isn't done to that extent, but that obfuscation of view when everything's not clear and you're trying to work things out. That's very theatrical as well. So mm-hmm. it's fine for me, but I totally, I totally take your point. I think this movie is probably an acquired taste. It's not going to appeal to everyone. I think some people are going to find it a little slow because that's the nature of this movie. It is a slow burn movie. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people will find it off-putting for various reasons too. But I definitely think mm-hmm. that you know anyone anyone who likes to watch good actors, capital A, act. Um, mm-hmm. Boy, howdy, do we have a movie for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm on it. yeah. So it's a pretty thorough recommendation, I think, from yeah. both of us for the humans. Definitely. Uh, which again, I think it's playing. I think it's in a limited or in select theaters from Mongrel Media, and it is definitely, I think, on demand as well, at least on iTunes, yeah. Yeah, it's or iTunes. whatever they're calling iTunes now. Uh, Apple TV, I guess. Um, and I think other platforms as well. So, mm-hmm. definitely check it out, if you like good movies. Do that. Yeah. So what's our second thing? So now we're going to talk about the new Marvel project, Hawkeye. I think this is a project that we're both sort of fine with. I think maybe me more than Simon, because Simon's a little more over Marvel stuff than I am. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess I'll take us through a quick setup for Hawkeye, which is a six-episode TV series of which we have seen the first two. And they detail uh, Clint Barton, the titular Hawkeye of the Avengers fame, uh, spending Christmas in New York with his family and having that disrupted by... Uh, Haley Steinfeld's Kate Bishop, who finds his bad guy suit from Avengers Endgame, and then he has to save her. Or maybe she saves him. Oh. Uh, oh. oh. What a twist. Um, I, I mean, there's two episodes out. Um, it's basically a lighthearted buddy, buddy action story, and I'm fine with that. <laughs> you know, like, it's definitely of a different tone than the other MCU TV series have been so far. And I think that's a good thing. And uh, I think that it's just the right level of just, just fun enough, you know, like I know that uh, Simon, I know you're not the most enamored of Jeremy Renner as a performer, but I think he's, I think he's sort of perfectly fine for this role, especially that like, uh, you know, the, the ongoing criticism of Hawkeye. In fact, it's a funny story when I, I told my wife that uh, I had screeners to watch this film, this series, and she's like, no, pass, hard pass. And I was like, why? And she was like, well, Hawkeye's boring. Like, he's super boring. And I was like, oh, I don't know about that. Jeremy Renner's interesting and blah, 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 blah. And she's like, no, no, no. Hawkeye is a boring character. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I think that's uh, a lot of people might feel that way. And I, what I think I love about this series so far is that it basically says, yeah, he's like that on purpose. <laughs> like, and uh, I don't know. I I enjoyed it. What did What did you think? So, yeah, I didn't like it as much as you. I I think there's room actually to explore boring characters, and especially as um, 
this the the first episode near the beginning has Hawkeye watching Rogers the musical, which was it's made by the Frozen songwriters, like yep. proper musical theater people. Yep. Um, watching his entire life and also dead friends be enacted in the worst possible like student drama kind of way. So I, re- I, I had some Vietnam style flashbacks to to my own student drama days. Um, so, and I think it's really interesting to explore trauma. I always think he's clearly traumatized and it's, it's a very interesting beginning of that. The problem is I t- Jen, Jeremy Renner is not the actor who has the uh, range to make boring, interesting. Like you can, there are many actors who can make quiet, interesting or boring, interesting. I think Jake Gyllenhaal is fantastic at doing that. Like understated. He's, I, I've never liked Jeremy Renner as, an, as a performer. Like He's just a spectacularly uninteresting performer. Um, even when he's diving backwards off buildings and flicking arrows, like, it, there's, there's nothing interesting about him or his performance for me at all. And I think a key problem of Hawkeye, for someone like me who feels like that about Renner, is that you pair him up with Hayley Steinfeld, who, who could make the phone book sound kooky and interesting and authentic. Like I love her as a performer. I think she is incredibly intelligent and incredibly authentic. And she is very much in the moment. You can see like the eyes, you always start with the eyes and she's always there. Like she's always there in some capacity. And uh, her show, by the way, um, on Apple TV, uh, the, the Dickinson Dickinson, it's a very interesting show. You may not like a lot of it, but she is really good in it. Um, so uh, the, the problem is when you pair someone as, for me, as uninteresting as Renner against Steinfeld, it just exposes this this gap. And so I, I also found it difficult to, to kind of care about them. And in terms of the story as well, I, I have no problem with low stakes and I have no problem with personal stories, but I don't feel there was really anything like interesting <laughs> that happened in two episodes. Like I, uh, it, so... it, it doesn't, it doesn't help. Hang on, hang on. It doesn't help that if, if this is a character study that, that Renner's characters, Hawkeye is not the most interesting of character, but more importantly, he's not an interesting actor. Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to say that I, I don't necessarily disagree with really anything you're saying. I definitely like Jeremy Renner more than you do. I think that he's put in a lot of really interesting and dynamic performances. Um, I don't know how many of you've seen, but like definitely like The Town um, or even Kill the Messenger. I think he's really quite good in, um, among other things. He's one of the only things I actually liked about American Hustle as well, I, which is a movie that I did not like. But anyway... Mm. Um, uh, I think it's really interesting that like he's he's pretty boring, and that the the narrative makes it clear that like it's because he's an old school spy and wants to be as nondescript as possible. I sort of love that about it. I love that at one point Kate Bishop calls him out, and she's like, "You know what your problem is?" And she's like, "Branding. It's just branding. You gotta like get out there and do your thing." Um, I sort of agree that like there's a maybe a charisma mismatch, but I think it's purposeful. Um, I don't necessarily disagree that it's not that not a lot of stuff has happened so far but being a six episode limited series we're only just at the end of the first act and I can sort of let that go you know there's four more episodes and two more acts in the story to go and I sort of like that what they've set up is on just on this side of like ridiculous Marvel like I really love that the bad guys are the tracksuit mafia you know <laughs> it's so stupid but like it's it's like exactly like it's to me it's the show saying for the story we want to tell it doesn't actually matter right so let's just make it the ridiculous one like let's just make it the dumbest one (laughs) and so that's what they did uh and i sort of love that about it and i love that they're just all like vaguely eastern european dudes in red (laughs) tracksuits um you know and the, the series does a couple things that i you know i do like um with Hawkeye as well, and the main part of which is that I just really enjoy that it maintains the fact that he's a good dad and a, and a good family man, 
you know, so many other hero stories are a hero who's you know being forced to choose between his family and his and his heroism, or to uh, or the fact that he's a deadbeat in the name of uh, being a hero, uh, or gives up being a hero to be a good father. And I think it's really a good thing that Hawkeye, as a character, is able to do both. I also mm-hmm. like that. Um, they finally made him deaf, which is a thing from the comic books. He's been he's he's deaf, you know. Um, and I like that they gave it an in-universe explanation as to as to why to explain why he wasn't deaf before. <laughs> um, you know, lots of little things like that. And and ultimately, you know, it's a Marvel production, so it's got that Marvel feeling. And if you're still on board with that, which mostly I am, it's going to be fine. There's See, some horrendous. The there's some horrendous editing, though. Just to be clear, like it's it's not all sunshine and rainbows. This the show for me is so far anyway is a pretty perfect three out of five, right? Like it's not amazing, but it's not bad. It's a bit of lighthearted, empty fun, but I'm sort of fine with that. Um, and the parts that really stick out to me is bad. Like I'm glad that you're focusing on Renner as the part that's sticking out to you as not being enjoyable because the parts that aren't enjoyable to me are the like. In the first big fight with Kate Bishop, where she... So in the story... Sorry, context. In the story, she ends up at this underground auction where Hawkeye's Ronin suit from Endgame, the one he wore when he went around the world killing bad guys, is up for auction. Bad guys attack. She puts on the suit to fend them off so they don't know who she is. And then everyone's like, oh, Ronin's back. And all the mobs come out to kill her. And uh, in that first fight, when she puts on the suit, the editing is just awful. There's one really good take in it where there's people coming at her from either side and the camera sort of pans back and forth and shows mm-hmm. how you, shows you how she deals with both of them. But the rest of that fight is so horribly cut that in a room that's maybe 20 by 20, you can barely keep track of where anyone is. Um, and it's really, really janky. And there's one shot in particular where she's holding a wine glass and it gets shot out of her hand and her hand changes yeah. position <laughs> like yeah, in the cut exactly. like yeah. it's 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 really bad and um there's a couple of other scenes like fight scenes like that where uh, you know they're trying to make things seem fast or seem dynamic and to do that they get the camera in too close and cut too much and it just doesn't i, I say this every time we talk about an action movie yeah but it doesn't work yeah. Like, the best action beat in the whole first two episodes isn't even that much of an action beat. The bad guys are outside. They throw a Molotov cocktail in the window. And when they go to throw a second one, Hawkeye breaks the window, catches it, and throws it back. And it's all done mm-hmm. in one shot. And it looks great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and if they just shot the rest of it like that, it would have been amazing. <laughs> I totally agree. And I think that really links into what I, I feel about Marvel in general, like you, you talk about if you're on the Marvel train or not, but I think there's actually two Marvel trains now. There's the uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier and Hawkeye, which is not cre- not that creatively directed, not brilliantly edited, lack- lacking in charisma, straightish forward. And then you've got the other Marvel train, which is Loki. I mean, I adored Loki because it was so out there. It took so many chances and it was so so well made and i think the i was watching shang chi the other day just why i did some stuff and i I still think shang chi has a third act problem as many marvel movies do but the charisma in that movie and the editing in that movie is so creative and it's that little buzz of charisma and creativity that that can really excuse many many problems and hawkeye is lacking that Apart from Haley, Steinfeld is lacking both those for me. Do you know what I, I mean? mean? I, I do it. I do it. I mean, and again, I don't like. I totally see where you're coming from. I don't know if I 100 percent agree about Captain America and the Winter Soldier because I think that I do think that Sebastian Stan and uh, Anthony Mackie have a pretty decent chemistry together. Um, but I see where you're. I mean, the other thing is that like. Sorry, I'm sort of bouncing all over the place. The thing about the Marvel train right now is that you're not wrong. There's definitely two two trains right now. There is the really out there ones that are building us toward what feels to be Kang the Conqueror and a multiverse of bad guys. But there's also a train that seems to be building towards uh, a new and or young Avengers setup, of which Kate Bishop would clearly be a part. 
where they're introducing younger versions or young of heroes or younger heroes who will eventually take up the young Avengers mantle to fight insert whoever you want here. And I don't really know which of those. I I don't really want to comment on whether at this moment whether I think one of those is a better idea than the other, but I do think that having two focuses is not necessarily the best thing. Mm-hmm. In terms is of Young the, Avengers a thing from the comics? Is is that does oh that yeah, already exist? hundred percent it is, and the lineup and, you know varies, but like the the clear lineup from what they're building towards in the MCU is like. Kate Bishop as the replacement Hawkeye, and Cassie Lang as the replacement, you know, young young ant person, or young wasp, mm. whatever she turns out to be, and then like, you know, Scarlet Witch's two children, uh, who are a magic user and a speedster, uh, you know, there's and there's there's just kids yeah. all over the place, right? Like, uh, you know, yeah. probably young sense. Loki from Loki will be one of them. Yeah, it's, um, crocodile Loki if we're lucky. I mean, yeah, we could only be so lucky. Um, so, and again, like, and to be clear, like, it, it's, uh, wow, I say that a lot. Anyway, um, <laughs> there's, the MCU is not as, especially through the end of their third phase through, you know, Spider-Man Far From Home, you know, everyone talks about, you know, what a tight storytelling unit they must be and how well planned their entire saga was. And I don't think it's ever been as well-planned or as tightly controlled as everyone thinks it is like they retcon themselves all the time uh it's clearly you know they're passing bits of information from one film to the next but they're they're making changes and doing stuff on the fly literally all the time but i still think not having one end point i think i think lacking the focus of having a singular end point might be impacting things a little bit Mm -hmm. But ultimately, you know, the great the great strength of Marvel at this point, and really from always, is that like, oh, you don't like science fiction? You don't like a story about a man who built a suit, a robot suit? Great, here's the one about the god from space. Oh, you don't like that yeah. one? Here's the one about the super soldier. Oh, you don't like that one? Uh, you know, here's the one about the science monster who pummels thing. You know, this, you know, you don't like that one? Oh, here's the one about the wizard. You know, like. It's whatever they have so many genres that they can play in that there's always going to be the next one, and it's yeah, you know, it's and, it's a whole it's a whole thing. So that's a really good point because the uh, one of the trailers that came out in the Disney Plus Day, which is apparently a thing now, is uh, for She Hulk, and I don't really know much about She Hulk, but I know that She Hulk is somehow a Hulk who is a lawyer, single female lawyer. Yeah, um, that's correct. Play, played in the TV show by the absolutely wonderful, um, sorry if I wreck the name, Tatiana, Tatiana. Maslany, yeah. who, is, who is amazing, amazing actress. Um, as if you saw any episode of Wolf and Black, you would know. How is that going to work? Like, this seems like even for a Marvel TV show, how is a TV show about a green... Uh, a green, tall female Hulk who's also a lawyer. Is it going to be like a law? Uh, is it going to be Alec McBeal but green, or is it going to be Hulk but with law? And is well, I think she they. In I think the, of that. Or? So I'm not as well versed in She-Hulk comics as many people are, but from what I from what I've gleaned about the character, the answer is both of those things. Because <laughs> one 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 major difference between Hulk and She-Hulk is that She-Hulk was never. Um, two separate personalities like Banner and Hulk were. You know, mm-hmm. she receives a blood transfusion from her cousin Bruce Banner. She turns into a Hulk, but basically she's just Jennifer Walters in a Hulk body, and she just continues. She spends most of her time in Hulk form, including the time she spends lawyering. So, right. so it's it's again sort of both. You know, well, it would be lovely. It would be really lovely if Marvel really swung for that and made it like a kooky comedy but with a giant hulk like that would be different i would watch that well that's the nice thing again the nice thing about marvel is the next thing is always going to be as as different as it is the same (laughs) Mm -hmm. i mean we are talking about the same franchise that has you know the first thor movie and also two guardians movies like we're you know and it's it's a weird franchise it's it's not as singular as i think people make it out to be yeah 
Yeah, so, I, I, and and all that's I a really long winded way to say that. Like, I think Hawkeye's fine. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> the um, formula's there. Like, there's definitely a formula now. There, there is it, as as it's up to them how creative they get with the formula, and you can recognize that formula before you even set foot in the theater or in front of your TV. You you recognize the elements of the formula as it comes at you, but it's how yeah. they deal with it, how they creatively like portray it. That's what I'm interested in. Yeah, that's, so that's I, fair. I mean, again, to further to your point that you don't find Renner to be that interesting a performer, even if that's true, like you still have Haley Steinfeld, you still have mm-hmm. Vera Farmiga, you still have Tony, Tony mm-hmm. Dalton playing Jack Duquesne, who is like, I think I said when I wrote about this that like if he doesn't literally twirl his mustache by episode four, we should riot. <laughs> like everyone, everyone else is having a great time, so I don't. Yeah. And it, it's you know, sure that Renner is ostensibly the star, but ultimately Steinfeld yeah. is the star, and Renner is a supporting character. So yeah, I'm sort of I okay with so. it. You know, and and Florence Pugh is going to turn up at some point, which is always a good thing. So I I hope you're right. I hope he becomes like kind of insignificant in the background because he he if it's a hawkeye show and he needs to carry it as hawkeye then um it's gonna be a problem unless he suddenly discovers how to be more interesting well again though i don't think he does i think i think it's a hawkeye show and it's a a show about kate bishop it's not a show about uh, you know uh about kurt is um in the comics does kate bishop become hawkeye like the hawkeye Yes, she does. Right. So, so this is you're expecting the end of this to be a transfer of power from old Hawkeye to young Hawkeye. Basically, I mean, it's basically the same model as like Batman Beyond, right? You have the old busted up one. I've never seen Batman Beyond. Oh, uh, well, that's a that's a solvable problem, sir. <laughs> is it um, yeah, the whole premise of Batman Beyond is that it's set. To be fair, it's set way in the future, but like old. Um, old Bruce Wayne is no longer able to be Batman, and he ends up with an apprentice who he trains to be the new Batman, and that is a perfect setup for this kind of show. Right. Yeah. So, I I, mean, I don't I don't know where they're going to go with it, but like like I say, I like that it's, you know, what am I trying to say? Like WandaVision was very much about grief and trauma and. Uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier was very much about race in America and Loki was really interestingly about things like self-acceptance and you know mm. really heavy topics you know and mm. Hawkeye so far seems to be a lighthearted show about a mustache twirling villain and a guy, a gang of guys in tracksuits I am fine with this I don't need everything <laughs> to be important you know and if the rumors are true then um Vincent D'Orofrio D'Orofrio is coming back as uh, Kingpin, but but fat suit Kingpin, like full on, twenty foot wide Kingpin. So interesting. I, it does. It could um, really lean into the more um, comic elements, definitely. Yeah. Or book elements, rather. Yeah, and like, I don't know. There's there's people online who are ragging on. Um, uh, now I've forgotten her name. But uh, the young woman, the young girl who plays Hawkeye's eldest daughter, for being a bad performer, but and especially because she's one of she's the child of one of the Russos. Oh. Um, but like she's a kid, like leave her alone, you know, like she's fine. Yeah. Kid yeah, kid yeah. performers are allowed to be uneven. We celebrate when they're amazing, and we just acknowledge them the rest of the time. That's how it works, right? Like they're kids. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. so i don't know at the end of the day would you recommend i mean i would recommend hawkeye i think it's lighthearted and fun i don't think it's going to be any deep exploration of anything but i'm fine with that you know i I, like a bit of lighthearted fun i don't care about it at all at the moment i i'm going to watch all of it and then i'll see if i recommend it as a whole i get the feeling it's gonna it's like it's a couple of movies chopped up isn't it so um or it's one to me it feels like one movie that's been stretched but it's six of one the trailer for Hawkeye gave me big, like, we know why you love Die Hard, so we're going to give you a little bit of Die Hard in our, is this an action series set at Christmas, or is it about Christmas? Let's start that debate again. And I got big Die Hard feelings from the trailer of, um, before it came out, so 
I, and I'm down for a bit of that. I love a bit of Christmas action crossover. So um, I do, I do, I do love that it's a Christmas show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I go back on for back and forth on whether Die Hard is a Christmas show, and I think I've landed on whatever you like, man. I don't really care. <laughs> that's that's a way to win every debate ever, isn't it? Yeah. I, I mean, if you really want to nail down my thoughts about whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie, I think that it is, but it's not for any real thematic reason other than in the in the early to mid 80s, if you really wanted to get every employee together for a party at the same time in the same place, the only way to do that in a North American setting is Christmas. So <laughs> like that's the only reason you ca- that's the only reason you can't replace Christmas with like Easter, <laughs> you know, like you don't have an Easter party in an office setting. You just don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's that's the reason why it's a Christmas movie. Fair enough. But like, if you want to read into it that it's about a man who's you know sacrificing himself for the greater good and blah 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 and reconnecting, you know, there's lots of other things you could buy in. But yeah. at the end of the day, like, just enjoy it the way you want to enjoy it, man. Like, I don't care. Like, do you do you? <laughs> Your blood pressure stays a lot lower that way as well. Yeah, it really does. Um, just on that point, while I remember, I'm playing the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, uh, a game on PS5, and just summarizing how I feel about this, it is fantastic. It is so good, and it feels yeah. like way more involving to me than even both of the Guardians movies. And it is clearly written by a team that love Guardians of the Galaxy, because all the characters are so well written, and Peter Quill is just that right balance of like a child with guns in an adult body. And there's just wonderful moments where um, they're they're climbing through a, a, a Novacore spaceship that's crumbling and falling apart, and they they're being chased. And he's it's very dramatic. And at one point, Peter goes as he's bouncing over this balance beam, trying not to fall to his death, he just goes, oh, come to the coast, we'll get together, have a few laughs. And Gamora's like, <laughs> Gamora's like what? He's like, oh, nothing, it's just nothing. <laughs> and then later, the, there's two difficult choices. <laughs> and um, Drax says, yes, we are indeed between two rocks. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just played really, really well. It's... Um, written brilliantly and it's surprisingly moving and the gameplay is fantastic so uh, highly recommend it loving it absolutely loving it oh well that's th- uh, three things i think we have to recommend then right? <laughs> because we're gonna record we're definitely saying you should watch the humans yes i'm saying that uh, hawkeye is totally worth your time mm-hmm. and simon is saying that the guardians of the galaxy game on ps5 is also totally worth your time <sighs> so good so it's also on ps4 just oh. saying that for the, all that extra time you have. For all that extra time I have, I can fill it up <laughs> with another game that I'll never finish. <laughs> so what's coming up in the next week for you then, in in your media life? I have no idea. <laughs> so much stuff. Um, um, Beatles, this... get back. Are you interested in watching that? I am. Uh, I have no time to watch it. Um, uh, uh, true story. We were actually set to watch it, and then we ran out of time. So now it's just on Disney Plus. So we should go watch it if you're interested in the Beatles, which I am. So I'll eventually watch it. Yes. Um, I have seen uh, a film that's been released to much critical acclaim at many film festivals this year. There's a film called The Souvenir Part Two, which is a lovely little character study from Joanna Hogg, sequel to her uh, film The Souvenir. Shockingly enough. Um, which is an interesting film for a lot of reasons, but also because it's a sequel to a character piece about a woman who is living through an abusive relationship. But anyway, <laughs> um, uh, I don't know if you want to see Last Night in Soho or Spencer, but they're both on demand now, so we could you mm. could watch those. I've seen them both. Oh, have um, you? yeah. How's Last Night in Soho? In a it's word, good. it's good. Okay, it's good. Uh, but also, uh, Whistler Film Fest starts this week, which I think is my oh, okay. last festival of the year. Now that I'm finished with Blood in the Snow Film Festival, so uh, okay. Whistler is f- the first five days of December in person, and also the whole month of December online. And they usually feature lots of great Canadian content, so I'm pretty excited because I feel like we don't. I try and go out of my way to watch more Canadian stuff, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm just glad I'm going to get to do that. 
this year. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys are fans of the Resident Evil movies or not, but I thought that the new movie was kind of fun. <laughs> In a way where it's a bad film, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> it's just stupid. You know? I, I'm I'm a hundred percent in for um, hot people killing zombies. Yeah, well, you're getting a lot of I'm that. Not directed by Paul Anderson. I mean, that's that's pretty much a winner for me in any genre, any time. Yeah, but he has a really good. He has a talent for making his wife look good. So <laughs> I suppose there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, the short answer is I have a lot of stuff on my plate, and I don't know what we're going to talk about next week, but there will be something. <laughs> this there will definitely. We are we are planning on doing a Christmas episode of this podcast at some point where we speak about several versions of the Scrooge story. I think. Oh, God, we organized that ages ago. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, we don't definitely. know when that's going to happen. Probably the last one before Christmas would be my guess. Yeah, but, uh, that's yeah, definitely. Yeah, but you know, because right. it's that time of year. Sure is time yeah. to watch Die Hard. Woo. <laughs> I'm gonna mix it up. I'm just gonna. Uh, so, on the Die Hard as a Christmas movie front, as a, just mm-hmm. as a final thought, I'm gonna say broaden your horizons, man. Watch literally any Shane Black movie. <laughs> you know, I have a Shane Black aversion. Yeah, it's it's a real problem you have there. <laughs> but like, problem. Lethal Weapon One, uh, The Long Kiss Goodnight. Long Kiss Goodnight being directed by Rennie Harlan makes it double trouble. <laughs> uh, you know, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, The Nice Guys, even Iron Man 3, all good Christmas films. Um, okay. What yeah. about Predators? Is his Predator movie a Christmas uh, movie? Or it's a bad movie, so it doesn't movie? doesn't matter. It's, it's okay, not good. It doesn't count. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, I'm sure it counts. Hey, it's, just, it's just also not good. It's not what I'm going to recommend. So. <laughs> okay. Cool, cool. Yeah. Well, we're well, at, at an hour, so I think we should probably sign off uh mm-hmm. i didn't ask do you, what's on your plate for the next week do you have anything oh, i mean putting more buckets under leaks until my roof gets fixed these are the fun things i have to deal with unpacking <laughs> boxes if i get time i'll watch something is resident evil out this week i would probably watch that hey it's out now um, but it's in theaters i'm very interested to watch last night in soho so uh, but also my wife hasn't seen bond so i might rent that um, I would gladly watch Bond again, and I still haven't seen Dune, so I might I might watch um, Dune. Uh, really, just get behind that curve as much as possible, um, just to stay, you know, current. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you um, watch Dune, love... yeah. If you watch if Dune, watch we Dune. could watch the David Lynch Dune, and then we could do a comparison episode. That'd be fun. Okay, let's do that. My kids really love Faulty Towers, so we're watching Faulty Towers at the moment. Well, it's so, a classic. Um, when yeah, you get yeah. them onto Monty Python is the question. <laughs> so that's a delicate thing, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Well, you should do the thing where people have uh, tr- should give you money for being, doing excellent work. Where can they give you money? <laughs> well, uh, so first off, thank you for listening. Um if you could, if you like what you've heard, please give us a five star review and a follow, and recommend us to your friends, and all of those good things. If you'd like to support us in a more direct way, we have a Patreon and a Kofi and a PayPal, and you can find those all at awesomefriday.ca. Um, if you do support us on Patreon, I do occasionally write exclusive things. Um, although, let's just say I do it on the regular. We'll say I'll do it regularly because that's not a lie. Um, <laughs> Uh, but beyond that, again, we just want to thank you for listening. We appreciate uh, all of you. See, uh, I'm not Canadian and I'm not Matt, so I can actually reframe all of that as go and read other film sites and then read what Matt's writing at the moment. And if that doesn't put $2 from your pocket into Matt's pocket, then stop reading the site. <laughs> like, give him some money for what he's doing because nobody else is. And until he, he gets paid for it, then support him. Give him some well, money. It's, it's not nobody. But, I mean, I would, of course, welcome any more supporters. So. <laughs> <laughs> modesty. It's my best feature. I know. It's fine. You, don't have to be, you can be modest. I don't have to be modest. I read a yeah. lot of film sites, and, uh, and they are many of them aren't as good as what you're writing at the moment. So people should give you money, damn it. I mean, if they there want to, go. that's fine. Good. I finished, awesome. I finished cheerleading. 
Good, good. All right, well, we're going to sign off. Everyone have a lovely week, and uh, we will speak to you again soon. Bye. Bye.